The second lesson, which is also the text for the sermon, is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the rushing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw divided tongues that were like fire resting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages since the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak fluently. Now there were godly Jewish men from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When this sound was heard, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were completely baffled and said to each other, Look, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them speaking in his own native language, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and of Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring in our own languages the wonderful works of God. They were all amazed and perplexed. They kept saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked them and said, they are full of new wine. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. They had come to Jerusalem from all over the place. St. Luke gives a really, really long list of all the different places that they came from, and even that list is not complete. There were Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Now, if you're like me and somebody put a map in front of you, you'd be able to find some of those places like Egypt and Rome. Those are kind of gimmies. Others... Maybe you couldn't find them just because the names have changed in the intervening 2,000 years, and others you maybe couldn't find just because you don't know where they are. But they were all there in Jerusalem. Some of them were Jewish men. Others were Gentiles who had converted to Judaism. And some of them were there to celebrate a high holy annual feast that was going on in Jerusalem on that day. And others, St. Luke said lived there. Probably Jewish people who grew up in Israel, moved away for their careers, for business, and now moved back to their homeland to live out their days. So they were there for all kinds of different reasons, from all kinds of different places. And Luke describes them in general as godly Jewish men. That means that they believed that the Old Testament was the Word of God, along with its promise of a Messiah. And these were men who were really doing their level best to try to please God with their lives. They were trying to keep the commands of the Old Testament and following the instruction of the religious leaders there in Jerusalem. On this day of Pentecost, all these godly Jewish men from all over the world, they were together geographically. They were all together in the same city. But only a few of them were together in the true sense of the word. When the day of Pentecost came, they... Jesus' apostles were all together in one place. And then the spirit-fueled miracles began. First, 
The Holy Spirit announced his entrance with the sound of a violent wind. Then the Holy Spirit announced his presence with tongues of fire on the apostles' head. And then he filled the apostles with power, the ability to speak in languages that they had never learned before. Now when those miracles started, the disciples were all together in one place. So in terms of location, the disciples were together. But when Pentecost came, the disciples were also together in every sense of the word. They were together in their faith and what they believed. Because by this time, Jesus' apostles had seen Jesus die on the cross. They had seen the resurrected Jesus after Easter. And by now they have watched Jesus ascend, return to the right hand of the Father to rule all things for their good. And Jesus has taught them personally. He has taught them the meaning of all these things. So the disciples understand what it all means, and they all believe the same thing. They all believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that he rose from the dead so that they too would have a resurrection, and that now he was back in heaven ruling all things for their good. So they were united in where they were, and in what they believed, and they were also united in their mission, their purpose in life. Because before Jesus ascended, he taught them the meaning of his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And Jesus then promised them that after he ascended, he was going to send them the Holy Spirit who would continue to teach them the truth, to guide them in all truth. And Jesus told them to wait right there in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came. Because not only was the Holy Spirit going to come and teach them the truth, the Holy Spirit was going to give them power to be Jesus' witnesses. And he told them, wait here in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. You start right here in Jerusalem as my witnesses. Then you fan out to all of Israel, Judea and Samaria, and then you go out to the whole world. So on Pentecost, the disciples were truly together. They were together in the same place. They were together in what they believed. And they were also united in their mission of spreading Jesus' gospel. Now, those other godly Jewish men in Jerusalem, they were together, like, geographically, in the same city. But they were separated in every other way. And what separated them was not really that they all came from different countries or they spoke different native languages. Really, what separated those other godly Jewish men was what they believed. Or more accurately, it's that what they believed was incomplete. See, those godly Jewish men, they did believe that the Old Testament was the word of God. They were looking for a Messiah, and they genuinely wanted to please God. They tried to keep the Old Testament laws as best they could. That's what godly Jewish men believed, and that's what they did. But the religious leaders that they were following were terribly wrong. They were dead wrong about who Jesus Christ is. And the religious leaders they were following were totally wrong, dead wrong about why Jesus came into this world. And they were totally wrong about the meaning of Jesus' death on the cross and completely wrong about his resurrection. See, to the religious leaders that these godly Jewish men were following, Jesus Christ was nothing but a man. He was a man who was a dangerous religious rebel who needed to be silenced. He was a man who deserved to die on the cross for his blasphemy. At least that's the way they saw it. And to them, Jesus' resurrection was nothing. Never happened. 
Now, what would happen to these nice Jewish men from all over the world who really wanted to believe the right thing and do the right thing if they continued following those religious leaders? They were going to get separation in every sense of the word. They were separated from the truth about Jesus Christ so they would be separated from their heavenly father and they'd be separated from each other for eternity. But then... The apostles were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. Since the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak fluently. When this sound was heard, a crowd came together and, confu and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Okay, so now these godly Jewish men, they're all together in the same specific location because they have heard this amazing thing. Jesus' apostles speaking in all their own native languages, and that draws them together in wonder and amazement. But they are still not together in what they believe. And they are still not united in Jesus' mission of spreading the gospel. In order for that to happen, they are going to have to hear the truth about themselves, and they are going to have to hear the truth about Jesus Christ. So, after brushing aside some nonsense allegations of AM drunkenness, getting drunk in the morning doesn't usually enhance your ability to speak unknown languages. If anything, it inhibits your ability to speak languages you do know. So after brushing aside that allegation, Peter draws the double-edged sword of the Spirit, and he swings both sides of it, law and gospel, and he swings it hard. First, he swings the law and he condemns the people in this crowd. He exposes their guilt. And he cuts them to pieces. In his Pentecost sermon, Peter said things like this. Jesus Christ, who was handed over by God's set plan and foreknowledge, you killed by having lawless men nail him to a cross. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. And it works. By the end of St. Peter's sermon, Luke says the crowd is cut to the heart. But Peter has not proclaimed their guilt with the ultimate goal of hurting them and leaving them hurt. So next, Peter proclaims the gospel, the saving good news of Jesus Christ. He says things like this. Jesus is the one God raised up by freeing him from the agony of death because death was not able to hold him in its grip. This Jesus is the one God raised up. We are all witnesses of that. So after he was exalted to the right hand of God, and after he received the promised Holy Spirit from the Father, he poured out what you are now seeing and hearing. The Holy Spirit arrived on Pentecost with a purpose. The Spirit's purpose was to pour out salvation on the people in that crowd by pouring out the gospel of Jesus Christ through the apostles, with Peter in the lead. And later Peter told them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted his message were baptized and that day about 3,000 people were added. 3,000 people who came together in amazement to listen to the apostles were added to the number of Christians on Pentecost. And now they were together. And the thing is, even after they turned around and left and went back to their own native towns and villages again, they stayed together. Because now they were together in what they believed. They were united 
in the Christian faith and in the Holy Christian Church. They were all baptized into Jesus with their sins forgiven. They were together, united. The Holy Spirit is a great unifier. When the Holy Spirit shows someone the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ, and they believe it, the Holy Spirit brings them together with God. He brings them back to God as his dear children, and God is, is their dear Father. But it's even more than that. When the Holy Spirit brings someone to faith, he doesn't just bring them together with God. He brings them together with every other Christian. They are united in the Christian church. And now here's the really fascinating thing about it. It's kind of a mind-bending thing. Christians are together with people that they may never even meet in this world because a lot of Christians are on the other side of the planet. You're never going to be together with them geographically in the same location. You're never going to meet them face-to-face. -face. But you are together in your Christian faith. And because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and he is going to raise all Christians on the last day, you will be together with those Christians in heaven forever. And there you will see them face to face and you will meet together with them and you will meet together with your Savior Jesus too and see him face to face. The Holy Spirit brings people together in faith. He also brings people together in their mission, their purpose in life. The Holy Spirit rushed into that room on Pentecost. He had a purpose, which was to add to the number of Christians, to those who believed in Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit did that work, he didn't speak directly to the crowd. He spoke through the apostles with St. Peter in the lead. That was their mission, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And then suddenly, after Pentecost, wouldn't you know it, the Holy Spirit had 3,000 new messengers at his disposal to share, in that to share in that mission. And he used them right there in Jerusalem after the day of Pentecost. Luke says those new Christians continued to hold firmly to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Day after day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit worked through those new Christians. They proclaimed the word. They used baptism. They used the Lord's Supper. The Holy Spirit kept on adding to the number of new Christians that he brought together in the church and brought together with their Heavenly Father. And those early Christians were all in on that mission. And they were all in on it together. Now, the Holy Spirit is often pictured as fire. And what happened on Pentecost would be like if you took a full gas can out to the middle of the forest. Don't do this, by the way. It's illustrative purposes only. But if you took a full gas can out to the middle of the forest, you lit a match and dropped it into the gas can. That's Pentecost. Boom. Explosion. 3,000 conversions in one day at one place. Shocking, jarring, massive explosion. What happened after Pentecost would be like what would happen in that forest after the initial explosion. It wouldn't be as impressive, and it wouldn't happen all at once, but slowly and surely, the fire would spread everywhere and cover the whole forest. And that's what's happened in the 2,000 years since Pentecost. You had that initial massive explosion on the day of Pentecost, and ever since... The gospel of Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit, has been slowly and surely spreading all through our world because God is wise and he is a really good planner. And there is a reason that he chose the time of that festival in Jerusalem to send the Holy Spirit and convert all of those people because then, after the festival was over, 
all of those thousands of people would go back home to their own native towns and villages and in their own native languages to their neighbors and friends, they would tell about the wonderful works of God. And pretty soon, Christian churches were popping up all over the empire and all over the world. And this was work that all of the people in the early Christian church shared in together. Now, the apostles, they were definitely there to lead that mission, to be at the head of it. You know, the, the rest of this book of Acts is mostly the story of two of those apostles, Peter and Paul, spreading the gospel among the Jews and Israel and Gentiles all around the Mediterranean, respectively. But the Holy Spirit used his entire church in that mission of spreading the gospel. He used the words that they spoke and the words they wrote because Jesus' gospel is a message. It has to be communicated with words in order for it to spread. You know, the Holy Spirit used the entire lives of those early Christians in service to the gospel because the way that they lived their lives was so radically different than the pagans around them. The way they shared with each other, the way they treated each other, the way that they nursed each other when they were ill, the way they harmonized their lives together was so different than the unbelieving world around them that people took notice and they wondered. And they started to listen to what these Christians, all different kinds of Christians, had to say about their Savior Jesus. And the Holy Spirit kept working and kept adding to the number of new Christians. Again, they had the apostles who were leading the charge. The Holy Spirit spoke through the apostles on Pentecost, and they are the ones that the Holy Spirit inspired to write the words of the New Testament. But Jesus' entire church was in on the mission together. And Jesus' entire church today still needs to be in on that mission together. All of us doing our share to proclaim the same basic message of sin and grace that St. Peter proclaimed on Pentecost. And on that day, Peter accused the people in that crowd of being personally responsible for the crucifixion of the Son of God. And he was right. They were personally responsible for the crucifixion of the Son of God. And you know what? I am also personally responsible for the crucifixion of the Son of God, and so are you. And so is every other sinner in the world. doesn't matter if you were in Jerusalem on Good Friday clamoring for Christ to be crucified. It's our sin that sent him to the cross to suffer and die. You and I are guilty of it too. But as Peter also proclaimed in that Pentecost sermon, God transformed the death of Jesus Christ on the cross into life. Because that death on the cross was an atonement. It made up for your sins and mine and the sins of the whole world. And that atoning death of Jesus Christ gives us life. It gives us a blessed life right now, here and now in this world, knowing that our sins are forgiven, knowing that we are God's children. And because God raised Jesus from the dead, it is also life for eternity, life in heaven, together with our Savior, and together with every other member of the Holy Christian Church. All Christians need to share in the work of proclaiming that message of sin and sacrifice, of resurrection and reconciliation. Christians in Jesus' church today, we need to commit ourselves 
to living lives that are radically different than the unbelieving world around us. In the way that we speak to each other, the way we share with each other, the way we continue meeting together while the rest of the world is giving up on meeting together, we continue to meet together, to worship with one another, to grow in the Christian faith together. And we must be willing as Christians to speak and write the saving gospel of our Savior Jesus everywhere we can, to anyone we can. They had the apostles to lead them in their mission. We still have pastors and missionaries and teachers to lead us in that mission today, but we must all be in on it together. So today, commit yourself to living a life that is noticeably different than the world around you. Commit yourself to living out the righteousness of Jesus Christ that you were baptized into and to purposefully think of opportunities where you can speak and write the good news of Christ's salvation. There is a good chance that you will be made fun of. They made fun of Peter on Pentecost. He did not care. He just kept going because the gospel was more important. There is a good chance that it's going to be risky for some of us in some situations. Saying the things that they said publicly in Jerusalem on Pentecost was very dangerous for Peter and the apostles. They did it anyway because Christ's gospel was worth it. As more and more Christians come together in that mission, the Spirit is going to keep working. And more and more people will come together in Jesus' church and come together in the kingdom of heaven. Amen.